Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, episode number 289 of Danielle Matthews. How are you, Danielle? I'm fantastic, Dale. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Now, before we start... Let's do a bit of gratitude. I love a good check-in. What's brought you joy or put a smile on your face in the last seven days? Oh, my dog. <laughs> what type of dog Absolutely. have you got? Uh, so he's a, he's a mix. I actually found him in the woods and uh, his fifth birthday is coming up this, this week. And uh, he's adorable. He's like 70 pounds. He recently, though, like <laughs> tore his ligament in his uh, back leg. And this last week he's like showing a lot of improvement. Like I started water therapy with him and I'm just so grateful that this little boy is healing. Um, and so uh, I've got a, I've got a rescue dog as well. We, that's what we, do you call them rescues yeah, in the States? Call them rescues that, here too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and you just don't, people go, what's what blend or what, what is that? And I'm like, I don't know because yeah. <laughs> it, isn't it amazing though? It's such a nice, I don't know. They bring so much joy to your life. Oh, totally. And he, I think he just has, when you have a rescue, I think they have just such gratitude to be in like a good home and uh, he expresses it all the time. So he's just, yeah, he's a gift. Oh, I love that. Perfect. So let's start at the start. Um, Let's start at your childhood. Did you grow up in Florida? Cause I know you're in Florida now is, or have you moved there to get a bit warmer? <laughs> I grew up in Maryland. So no, I did not grow up in Florida. I grew up in Maryland outside of Annapolis. It's like a half hour from Washington, DC. And, uh, you know, had a pretty, pretty good childhood. I had one sister who's actually just moved to Australia. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. So I haven't heard her yet, but yeah, she and her family just moved over there. Uh, so I'll be coming your way soon. Cool. There you go. Uh, grew up, I, you know, I played sports since I was little. Uh, my, you know, both my parents were, were wonderfully supportive with that. I swam. And now that I'm older and I look at that sport I'm like oh my gosh you guys are amazing that you drove me to practice every day you sat through <laughs> me on the weekends like you must have been crazy new form of new form of uh respect I think and yeah. I, I can see that now with a couple of young boys and I'm like wow that they you really got to give up so much for your kids and mm-hmm. I don't know you, you love your parents more but you're like wow that's a lot of dedication dedication yeah, exactly <laughs> a lot of dedication Uh, Yeah, I I was really fortunate with that. And I, you know, I played, I played uh, all sorts of sports. I swam, I did lacrosse, I did softball. uh, And then when I went on to college, I went to University of Virginia, I studied biology in school. I've always been very curious just about how everything works. And uh, in school, there was a snowboard team. And I, they were like, we need female snowboarders. And I was like, sign me up. They drove you to the mountains, you know, a couple of times a week. And I was like, I'll just go so I can, you know, get a free ride up to the mountain and uh, ended up competing and like competing in nationals competitions. Like I had a blast uh, in, in college with that and uh, lived, lived a pretty good life. I'd say. I'm sure you would have. <laughs> um, so obviously did you continue the snow sport sort of realm or like, because um it's not a cheaper sport, I know, and I've I've been fortunate enough to enjoy skiing all around the world. It is amazing, but uh, it's something that, again, quite financially, you know, dependent. I know it adds up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's interesting. After college, I 
I graduated and I did something called Teach for America, which here in the States, it's basically a program that uh, takes people that aren't teachers, that puts them in a low income area. So either rural setting or urban setting where a lot of good teachers aren't wanting to go. And, um, you know, there's a lot of poverty. So I, I applied to that program. I got in and they placed me in Denver, Colorado, which is at the foothills of the Rockies. I've been <laughs> so- to Denver, been to Denver. Lovely. And right near so many good mountains. Breckenridge was my favorite. There you go for a little bit of uh Yep. You beautiful. got it, Dale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a bunch of my friends from the team like moved out there the same year. And so we got a place up uh, in Breckenridge, actually. Oh, and so, so weekend, I was in Breck on the weekdays. I was teaching and I was in heaven. I mean, it was just like you get a season pass and it actually makes it quite affordable, you know. Yeah. Uh because I was going every weekend. So it was well worth, well worth that. You're just paying gas money to get up there, but oh yeah, that was heaven for me. So I kept that up, up until, you know, my life changed drastically and dramatically in a matter of seconds. Um, I was home from like, we have summer break and uh, here, and I was home from that, um, after my second year of teaching and was hit by a drunk driver, had this, you know, kind of freak car accident where a guy passed out and drunk at seven o'clock in the morning and um wow. hit my car back on and my world just it I mean it went upside down very quickly my I had a brain injury from the accident and one of the first things the doctor said to me was uh you will never snowboard again uh because the risk of hitting your head you will have what you have right now or worse so get rid of the gear like it's done and that was a very hard thing for me to hear. <laughs> oh, I couldn't imagine not yeah. only not only you're dealing with the fact that I don't know, I'm sure there was resentment towards a drunk driver, first of all, but also the one thing that you love, you can't do, and you've got a brain injury. Like there's so much to process there. Oh, so much. And I, you know, having been an athlete, you kind of push through things. And like I'd injured myself snowboarding before. And so it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, like, you know, it's gonna go away. I'm gonna be fine. Like that was my mentality. And so I kind of I pushed. And summer break ended. I had to go back in with kids. I, it was taking me 12 hours to do a lesson plan. Like I couldn't get the words out. I wanted to, I couldn't handle any sort of inputs from light or noise. I had severe migraines. I was completely dizzy. I mean, I was a mess. And with brain injury, kind of lose the ability to step outside of yourself and go, Hey, this isn't normal. (laughs) And so I, you know, the people around me, like my parents, I'm in my twenties, you know, they don't control me. And they're like, you know, we really don't think this is a good idea. And I'm like, well, forget you. Like I need to earn an income. Like I got, you know, I got to do things. So I went out and the first day with kids, it just, it was so clear to me. Like, I was like, I don't know what I just said. I don't remember that child's name. Like, and I said to my principal, like something's got to give, I can't, I can't do this. So they put me on a medical and, um, I still was kind of in a little bit of denial so six month, six months, six week medical leave and came back from that. Still nothing. And what was crazy, Dale, is the Western medicine, like the community, they didn't have anything to offer me. They basically said to me, sit tight with these types of injuries. There's nothing you can really do. You know, you just have to, it's going to clear itself up. And uh, <laughs> that doesn't, I said, that doesn't help Danielle when you, you want to get on with your life. You're like, that's not what I wanted to hear. Not at all. And I, I remember thinking to myself, like, that's ridiculous. And fortunately, my mom, she had owned a yoga studio when I was growing up. And so she knew a lot of like the wellness practitioners in the area, right? People that are more open to things outside of 
you know, Western medicine, uh, acupuncturists, chiropractors, all that stuff. So I started to be, have access to these different things. And we did a lot. I did hyperbaric oxygen treatment. I did neurobiofeedback. You know, I started to eat completely differently. I cut out gluten. I was taking like 16 pills, like supplements galore, <laughs> vitamin Bs, all this stuff, you know, omegas, the stuff that's good for the brain. And, uh, even with all of that, like nothing seemed to be touching it. And, uh, slowly I started to realize like, I'm not going back to the life that I had. And I, you know, I lost the job, which meant I lost the income. So I had to give up my place. I had to not get the place in Breckenridge that winter. You know, it was like all of this stuff. I ended up having to move back in with my parents and really just try and focus on getting myself healthy, which it's, you know, now I know it was my ego. My ego was very identified with my life. And I didn't know who I was when all of that fell away, if it makes sense. I just, yeah, such an identity. Yeah, I think that's understandable, Daniel, because everything in your life that you'd built and you loved was taken away from you and it wasn't by your choice. Um, Like, how did, I'm sure there were some pretty dark days there, like, because you, you, all the things that you wanted, they were no longer, um, and not saying move, like, very fortunate to move back in with your parents, but that wasn't where you wanted to be. Yeah, when you're 23, you're like stepping out of the nest, right? Yeah. You want to yeah. go back to the nest. <laughs> and I mean, I, I have so much gratitude that my parents were in a situation to support me that they could, I mean, financially, just with love. My mom was driving me to all my appointments, you know. I, I, I was very fortunate, but you're right. I, it's just, it's not what I mentally wanted. And for the first year, I was having thoughts that were not helpful. I was having thoughts like, I didn't deserve this. This shouldn't happen to me. This isn't fair. And, you know, the people around me were validating those thoughts. Like, oh my God, of all people, Danielle, this shouldn't have happened yeah. to you. Totally not fair. And like, I never should have hurt you. And like, I was in this victim mentality, which I think it's fair to say, well, yes, I was a victim in the accident, but to hold your spell self in that space, it disempowers you. And I felt like there was nothing I could do. I felt like helpless, you know, and I had no hope because the doctors are telling me like a year in my doctors literally said to me, Danielle, with your type of injury, the body would have done all the healing it's going to do at this point. And this is your new normal. And they told me a year in to adjust my life around my symptoms and I hadn't improved any. So, you know, I'm sitting in a dark room in bed. Most of the time I had severe depression. I had panic attacks. I was dealing with intense anxiety I couldn't, you know, I didn't want to get on social media and look at everybody else's life, all my friends, right? They're going on to graduate school at this point. They're getting doctorates. They're, you know, it was just, it's a really difficult time. And, but a lot of really invaluable lessons that I learned, you know, about not comparing, about staying present, not allowing my mind to drift to the past about a life I used to have, or think about the future because it was so unknown. And I was so forced into the present, which quite honestly, like how many spiritual practices tell you that (laughs) just be present and that's the secret. And it was like my accident forced me to realize this. And it's like, once I realized this, it opened up everything and changed. I mean, it just changed my inner world. It changed everything. Was it now what you're saying there, you made that sound so easy. It's not, you know, like, like, you should be so proud of that because firstly, everything you're going through in that victim mentality, that's normal. Like that's, that's anybody would be like that. But 
what you've done is inspiring. And that's why I want to share this. And I really wanted to have you on the show, but was there like an, like a, a light bulb moment or was there one moment where you're just like, something has to change because at the end of the day, nobody was going to do that for you. Like you had to do that and you did the work and everything you just mentioned. Yes. It's amazing. But was there one moment you remember where it just, you know, it clicked. There were two things that happened. Number one was the doctor telling me this is it. And when he did that, my higher self, whatever you want to call it, dropped in and said, Danielle, that's no. (laughs) he's fired. You're going to be fine. (laughs) So thankfully something within me refused to like, accept that diagnosis, if you will, this is chronic. Like, I don't know how many people have sat in that same office and accepted that what they had was chronic and are on a very different path than, you know, I'm on, but I just, I refused to accept it. So that was number one. And when I refused to though, I went, I finally allowed myself to consider what if this is permanent? Not that I accepted that it would be, but well, what if this isn't like going to go away? Because I was so emotionally drained. I mean, I was questioning wanting to stay on this planet. It was like, what's the point of living if you feel terrible all the time and you can't do anything? Like, what's the point? And, you know, thankfully I was like, I can't do that to my parents. (laughs) The main driver that was keeping me, you know, from doing anything silly. But I just thought, I've got to get my head right because if I'm going to stay on this planet, it's my choice. My emotions are my choice. And so I have got to figure out how to take my emotions from this terrible place and get them happier. And so that was, that was the first thing. It was like this realization that, okay, I've got some control here and I need to, if I cannot change the accident, I can't change the injury. At least I can change how I'm emotionally handling it which will at least make my days bearable. So I'm not crying all the time. Yeah. And then that summer, I saw a documentary called The Crash Reel. And it was about a snowboarder named Kevin Pierce. And they had been filming him because, I mean, I don't know if you, what you know about snowboarding, but he was like on the level of Sean White and was favored yeah. to kind of beat Sean at the Olympics that year. And amazing human being. Well, during preparations for the Olympics, he suffered a traumatic brain injury and they caught it on film and they didn't stop filming. So this documentary that was supposed to be like the rise of the guy that beat Sean White turns into going through a traumatic brain injury and what that fallout looks like. And through that, I saw someone who was at the pinnacle. I mean, living the dream, getting paid to snowboard around the world. Does it get better than that? (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. It's not a bad gig on site. (laughs) It does. (laughs) And to watch him lose that, like I thought I lost something, you know, but to watch someone fall from such a high place that in my mind was a high place and come out of it. And I'm watching him in this movie, this documentary, laugh again and find joy again and have purpose again. And he created a foundation called love your brain. And he started to help other people with brain injury. And he started to give voice to it. And he started to shine light on how it's such a hidden injury because you look fine. I looked like this, you know, it's people don't understand that you're injured and it's hard to see a brain injury. And I just thought, you know, if he's come to terms with this and he's doing something with this, then I've got nothing to complain about. Like I need to get it together. (laughs) 
And, you know, I will find purpose through this. And I, I didn't know at the time that there was a term for this. It's actually called post-traumatic growth. I had no idea, Dale, that that was like a thing. And post-traumatic growth is people that have been through trauma and have allowed it to transform them into a place where they have more purpose. They see different meaning in life. They have complete gratitude for what they went through because it shaped him into who they are now. And it's opened what's opened. And he was such a beautiful example of that. I always, anytime I had a hard time, I just thought, well, like wasn't as rough as what Kevin's had to give up. (laughs) And, you know, something good will come from this. And I just, I kept that, that going. And I, um, I'll tell you, I started a gratitude journal that really just forced me to make myself find something each day that was good, that I could have a positive outlook on. And it was painstaking at the beginning (laughs) because my brain was so wrapped around all the things I couldn't have and what I couldn't do and what wasn't there anymore. And then through just sheer will, I mean, this is just sheer inner will, Uh, I forced myself when I make a commitment to something like I'll do it. Thankfully, Uh, it's probably all the years of being an athlete, like, all right, you got to do the drills. And I just, okay, one daily gratitude. So when you started with that today, I was like, (laughs) always, always. (laughs) And uh, yeah, now I can't think of anything bad in my day. I mean, quite literally, I have reprogrammed the way my brain holds on to information now that I look back at my day and it's like positive, 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 positive. And the stuff that wasn't, what can I learn from it? You know, I just, I hold on to it in that way. I don't think that there's negative or bad things. It's like, there's just learning that's to come from those things. Oh, that was so powerful. You just mentioned there, Daniel, all of that. Um, And I think (laughs) sharing stories like yourself and Kevin, and that's how people can transform, you know, when someone can be relatable and they go through it. Do you, I want to backtrack just a little bit. Do you get people though, that have, you know, may have suffered something traumatic or they may have a brain injury or something like that. And they don't have that positive outlook or they haven't had that aha moment that look for you for the answers. Like, do you get that a bit? Well, some do. Uh, I I hope to be that beacon. You know, that's of my intention is I, I believe in life. We go through things and then we're meant to turn around and help other people that are on that path. And it's just a matter of my message meeting, you know, the right ears. And I think that there's the space and time to be bitter, to be angry, to have resentment. It's like there's a grieving process that happens when you lose your health. And that's natural. The question is, how long are you going to let that stay? And I believe, and you cannot shake me on this, I believe that the obstacles that get put in our place are divinely put there. And they're put there for a reason. And the antidote is within it. And the only way to get to the other side, to figure it out, is to embrace it and to go through it and to realize this is here for me to learn. This is part of my journey here on earth. What lesson am I supposed to learn from this? Like, what gift is this actually bringing me? And if you look at it, I don't know your beliefs, but if you look at it as a gift from God, if you look at it as if it was sent from your higher self, as if the universe orchestrated things beautifully to put it in front of you so that you could learn, so you could unwrap this challenge. It's like when you go to the gym, we so naturally pick up a a heavier weight and go, well, I need to push myself, you know, and it's going to hurt and it's going to break me down, but I'm going to get stronger. And for whatever reason, 
in life, we don't realize that our mental, emotional, spiritual strength comes from the challenges. It comes from the obstacles. You are never going to become the best version of you unless you're pushed. Unless you're forced to realize that you have strengths and capabilities existing that are just dormant until they're needed, you're going to go through life like easy peasy, whatever. It just, you, you have to embrace these obstacles and it's hard. I think if someone had said that to me, like, you know, six months in, I, I probably would have wanted to punch them. <laughs> like you go through this, you know, <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. Um, but the moment I dropped that, you know, the victim mentality, I went, oh, you know, and I just, I let that be there. It's not that you want to repress that, right. That emotion needs to flow. It's supernatural and it has to, it has to flow through your system. Uh, However, if you can change the perspective, change the lens, I think that's huge. And I also want to speak to people that are the family members and friends of loved ones that are going through these traumatic things, because I think out of love, sometimes you want to like jump in the hole with the people and love on them and hug them and you got this and no, it wasn't fair. But the reality is like now you're both just down in a hole and it's not helpful you need to stand on the edge and say, wow, like you must be leveling up in life. Like there must be something so powerful in your future that you're having to learn some really intense lessons and you're having to go through some really intense growth. And I am here for you in whatever way I can be. You know, it's a very different, you're kind of drawing them to look at the higher side, which is what I think you know, the reason it's there. And if we collectively in supporting people through this stuff can allow them to look past it and look beyond it and kind of look up, I think they'll have a very different experience, you know, mm. moving through. Well, it's and so true what you're saying. And I think the hardest thing is that people do want to help, you know, like loved ones and people close to somebody that is suffering. Um, that they haven't been through that themselves. They have, they don't actually understand AL. So when they try and empathize with somebody that they're not in that same situation, they only see that it's not fair as well. It's very easy to go into that mentality, but like we're not trained. We didn't go to school and say, Hey, this is what happens when you get hit by a drunk driver. Do you know what I mean? Like, and our parents don't have those skill sets. So it's all by learning and, and growing and, like you said, you know, focus on the positives and I love that. And there are positives, doesn't matter how bad your day is. I guarantee there's still one thing that's been awesome. And if you focus on that, it's going to be great. So what were some of the other things that, you know, you obviously said you started doing a gratitude journal, which I'm thinks amazing and everybody should practice some form of gratitude if it's written or talked or whatever. What else were some of the things that, you know, you brought in step by step because you didn't just do it all at once. They were gradual little steps. And obviously now you've trained to be the person you are and so positive and helping others. What were some of the other things that, you know, are central now that you weren't doing before? I started to realize that uh, I am not my thoughts. And this is the crux of everything. I think this was probably the most profound lesson that came out of what I went through is realizing that the Danielle that I thought I was, all of my thoughts and emotions and reactions and responses is not actually me. Like there is an aspect of myself that is witnessing that. There is an aspect of me that's there before the thought occurs, that's there during the thought, even though the thought like takes over everything. <laughs> and I very much feel like it, it is me. But the thought eventually leaves. And I, it's like the witness watching it all. And so I started to rest back as this witness. And I started to observe my own thinking, which, you know, when you're alone by yourself in bed, you don't have much else to do. So 
I, I was granted the space to be able to do this, but I would offer everyone like create this space in your life because you will start to go, huh? Like, where is that even coming from? Like I started to see myself responding to things in ways that were ridiculous. Like they had nothing to do with what actually was occurring, you know? And I started to go, where's that even coming from? And best analogy I can give is it's as if we all have sunglasses on and these sunglasses are some past experience, some trauma or some, something that got stuck in our systems that are causing us to look through life with that lens. So for some people, it may be a lens of, you know, I'm not good enough or nobody loves me or I'm not worthy or whatever, insert limiting belief. And it causes you to look at a situation like, let's say someone didn't answer my phone call. How many times have you then launched into some tirade of things in your mind? Like I would watch my mind just have this ridiculous (laughs) conversation. Like, oh, like they don't appreciate me. They're probably ignoring me. They're probably hanging out with the other friends and like, they don't want me to know. Like this like insane (laughs) pattern would start in my head. I'd start to go, Danielle, stop. Like, what is this? And, and I found that my reactions sometimes like we're totally based, not like we're arguing about laundry, but we're not arguing about laundry. You know what I mean? Like we're arguing about something that has nothing to do with that. We're arguing about the fact that, you know, I feel like you're trying to control me and tell me to do something and whatever. Like it's that, cause that's the lens that's, that's on right now. Those are the sunglasses I'm wearing right now. So I started to get very intrigued with what sunglasses I had on, what these thought patterns were that weren't helpful, that were actually causing me to, you know, get into these crazy messes of a conversation in my own mind. And I started, I actually started to meditate. I used a a meditation practice called yoga nidra and it's a guided meditation. And it's basically designed to take you into this space where you drift away from the thoughts you disidentify from them. And then you insert an intention when you're down in this meditative space. So you can kind of undo the programming that's not helpful. And I use an intention. I am open and patient because part of my issue was I was becoming very impatient with people, with things, with everything. Cause I'm like, I'm having to be so patient with this injury. Like I was just impatient with everybody else (laughs) and uh, not helpful. So (laughs) I would, I was using something like that. And it was really interesting. You know, I think that that journey continues to this day. Uh, The more and more I operate in life and I go, you know what? The things that are triggering me are actually teaching me and not blaming the person or the situation or whatever's unfolding. Like, yes, I'm having a reaction. And yes, it appears to be that it's because of you. (laughs) You showed up and now I'm reacting. So I'm blaming you. No, like that person was just revealing or that situation was just revealing that you've got something unfinished that just, it got, it got hit on. And I start to, I started to just use life as this interesting, like playground of self-discovery of, all right, well, why am I thinking that right now? You know, and I would get curious about it, not judge myself, but get curious. And honestly, as I started doing that with myself, I started to see it in other people. It made me much more compassionate for other people. Cause I realized, Oh my God, they have the same crazy thinking. They don't realize the sunglasses they're wearing. They've got <laughs> no idea. I at least have the awareness that I have them on. <laughs> they don't even know. And, uh, <laughs> it's, 
it's wild when you look at life, you know, well, through that lens, pun intended. <laughs> I, I like that. With, with that though, it's very easy for you now once you've figured all that out and you understand the different sunglasses you're wearing or you can be compassionate to others or you can see different things in different people, but you're taking ownership of everything in your life. Um, and when we when we allow that to happen, that's when things change because nobody's going to take those sunglasses off you. If they're a bit foggy, no one's going to clean them. And essentially that's a metaphor for life. So when do, do you get a little bit frustrated now? If you see someone, you're like, you need to do this because you can't tell someone. You couldn't have told you six months into your brain injury, Danielle, that you need to do something about this. Like, does it frustrate <laughs> you now with everything you've done in a in a smidgen of a way? Uh, honestly, I've turned my frustration into fascination. And Ooh, I just go, good. oh, isn't that, isn't that interesting? So rather than getting frustrated, I get fascinated. And when someone does something, you know, because my business, I work with people all the time and so it's very easy to get frustrated but I just don't allow myself I allow myself to get fascinated and I'm like I wonder why like I wonder what happened that's causing them to react to me like this because it's not me so yeah. I've stopped taking things personal, like that and that has just been liberating like this has nothing to do with me I am a character in this person's movie right now <laughs> and the reaction that I'm getting you know all I can do is have compassion and so I find that I don't get engaged in a back and forth like I just I call it the ego like that part of the mind I just release it I'm like stop like this this has nothing to do with me you know and I try sometimes compassionately when you when you reach someone with compassion and try and hit their heart a lot of times they can drop out of their head and they like it kind of like makes them go wait because they were expecting to you know get into yeah some they want to fight back and that's forth. what they want they want to fight yeah. don't they like <laughs> ah, I don't like ah, I need something oh righto okay <laughs> yeah and then you come with love and they're like what do <laughs> <laughs> you want a hug <laughs> yeah like isn't this interesting or you laugh like sometimes I I laugh inappropriately because I'm like I smile because I'm like oh my god this is just this is ridiculous like stop taking yourself so seriously your mind is driving you nuts. And it's nice when people have the context, right? So we've had this conversation. So if you and I down the road in our friendship, like something happens, I can start laughing and I would say something like, Dale, what sunglasses are these? Like this yeah, is ridiculous. correct. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so when you have that context, it's helpful. But yeah, in the moment, you can't you can't be like, This is your problem, not my problem. Like this is all on you. Like you can't do that. It's it's just gonna make the whole situation worse. Um, but I'm I try not to engage. I mean, yeah, some days it gets me, right? The people closest to you, sometimes it's the easiest, like, because you're like, it's those same sunglasses. Like, would you take them off? <laughs> you know? right. Not trying to control you. Stop, stop acting like I am. This has nothing to do with that. Uh, and you know, you just, you just got to breathe, give it some space and come back. So true. That's a great bit of advice. Just take that one or two seconds instead of just reacting. And that breath can... Oh, I, I'm trying to practice what I preach and I'm trying to learn all this as well. And I'm like, we're not perfect, but I think the more that you're aware of these situations and what you can control and exactly what you've just mentioned there, Danielle, I love that. So do you ever sit back and think, righto, in 2012, something really unfortunate that wasn't fair happened and sit back now and just look at your journey and are you so proud of, you know, what, the journey you've taken and what you've been able to achieve and do you allow yourself to be proud and, and of what you've done? What a beautiful question. <laughs> you know, on June 23rd was the day of my accident. And interestingly enough, that's Friday uh, yep. of this week. And 
on that day, inevitably, it doesn't matter where I am, what I'm doing, how I prep myself the day before that day, it hits me so hard that life could end tomorrow. And so it just humbles me and reminds me like every single time that day, I always think, and I say, Danielle, are you living with purpose? Are you doing what you came here to do? And if I'm not, I just, I don't judge myself, but I just go, okay, well, what can shift? Uh, And most of the time, like, I'm very happy with how things have unfolded with what I've been able to do. And I, sometimes I beat myself up because I'm like, there should be more, like more people need to hear this. Why aren't you talking to more people? Why aren't you getting in front of more human beings and helping them, you know, shift? So uh, yes, there's definitely times where I step back and go, unbelievable. Like I, I get goosebump moments sometimes where I'm like, how did I get so blessed to be in the position that I'm in, to have been able to touch thousands of lives, to have friends all over the world, to be able to talk to people all over the world. Like it's wild. And then there's this other piece of me that's like, yeah, but there's more, <laughs> you know, keep going, keep growing. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen. This will be 11 years uh, this Friday, which it's crazy to think a decade has passed. And I just go, wow, the growth that has happened in that 11 years, like, where am I going to be when I'm 45 years old? Like, yeah. is, <laughs> if this has been the last, you know, 10 years, 11 years, uh, it gets me excited for where I'm going. I love that. I think it's really important that we, people do, you know, step back and be proud of the journey they're on. Um, and it's good to have that fire burning inside that we want to do more but also be content. And it really comes back to what you're saying, be present. Do you know what I mean? And um, it's not probably not the most nicest reminder. Do you know what I mean? The day that it happened, but again, you've used that as a positive because now that's like a, a check-in to say, well, I might not have been here 11 years ago. It could have all been differently. So instead of, you know, having resentment towards that driver or the whole situation or your journey, you've turned that into a positive again. It's very impressive. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that our minds uh, try and not think about our death because they're trying to keep us safe and happy. And like, you know, if we were thinking about the fact that this ends, we probably, some of us might get depressed, but I think it is important to meditate on that sometimes and realize like there is urgency because we don't know the last day. Like my last day could have been when I was 23 you know, and it could be tomorrow. Like it, I have no idea. You have no idea. Nice. We think we're going to live forever. <laughs> Thankfully our minds like, you know, help us be in that space. But I also think it's not helpful because we then put off the things that, oh, I'll do it later. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week. I'll do it next month. You know, life is going to pass you by. And so why not do it today? Like, what if this was the last day? You just, you never know what's, what's around the corner. And it's one thing that on that day, every single year, it just is so clear to me. And I've got to share this because uh, Bodhi, my dog that I mentioned at the beginning, yeah, yeah, yep. I found him. It was my 30th birthday weekend. It was the 23rd of September. And uh, he had been left in the woods. He was just all skin and bones. We take him into the vet and the vet says, well, he's about he's three months old based on his teeth. And, uh, you know, if you just nurture him for a month, we should be able to get him a good home and he just needs some love. So during that month, my sister says, Danielle, if you don't want to keep the dog, I'll take the dog. But when's his birthday? And I said, well, you know, I found him on the 23rd. He's three months old. And I went, oh, my God, (laughs) June 23rd. 
And I said immediately, he's my dog. (laughs) 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 That is a gift. Uh, And I named him Bodhi because Bodhi represents in Sanskrit, I I study a lot of yogic philosophy, uh, an awakening or enlightenment, this trusting that everything is going to unfold when it's meant to, knowing that you're connected, you know, to the divine and that it's always flowing and co-creating with you. And I just think what a beautiful example of me finding this dog. He was just on my path biking and I'd wanted a dog and boom, there he was, you know, I didn't have to do anything but live my life. And uh, so Bodhi turns five on Friday and I have my 11 year anniversary. And so now it's a really beautiful day for both of us. I, I, that is amazing. And uh, I've got an analogy, analogy for you, Daniel. You talk about glasses, which I love, and I'm probably going to use that. Thank you. I call it don't buy green bananas. Do you know when you go to the supermarket, you don't buy green bananas because you can't eat them. Essentially, it's like you're saying, don't put things off because you may never get there. So there's mine for you. But anyway, I just I like want, to bring up, I want to bring up one thing here. For someone who's had a brain injury, you are amazing with knowing dates and times. And I wouldn't have a clue of any anything in my life. You've read off the actual day and the time and the year. <laughs> Your brain's wild. Uh, Dale, so can we talk about this for a minute? Because I... So how did I actually get my physical health back? Because I was told like, that's it. Yeah. When I shifted my inner world, now I know what I did, but I, I changed my frequency. And when you're at a different frequency, you attract in differently. So we got a phone call from an acupuncturist that had been a student of my mom's at the yoga studio. And she calls my mom and she says, I've come across something in my practice. It's a biotech company. They have this breakthrough that helps with cellular repair. And it increases the signal in the body so your body can find where there's damage and repair it. She said, I'm using it with everybody. Everybody's having different results, hormones, digestive stuff. She said, it doesn't matter. I believe it'll pass the blood brain barrier and help Danielle and will actually allow her brain to repair. And uh, you would have thought that I'd have been like, wow, the answer just popped in. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can I imagine. <laughs> I'm sure you would be. <laughs> uh, the biologist in me was like, yeah, show me some research on this. This sounds way too good to be true. Uh, but my mom intuitively trusted her friend. My mom started using this stuff and like she had bone on bone in her hands. It allowed full range of motion back in her hands within six weeks. I helped my dad with uh, a knee issue he'd had for like over 30 years. He had torn his ACL playing college football. And so they sat me down and were like, Danielle, this stuff cannot hurt you and it might help you and just use it. So they said, we're, we're paying for it for six months. Like just go. And, uh, I begrudgingly kind of went, we're well, wasting your money and this is silly and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, three months in Dale, things started to shift. Like all of a sudden before it had been like, I was thinking through mud, like I try and get a word out and I just, I couldn't, I could talk around it. I could tell you what it started with, but I couldn't get the word. And all of a sudden words were coming out. Uh, I wasn't getting tired. I had like energy again. I wasn't having to nap all day long. Uh, And the biggest thing was the pounding that had been relentless for two years in my head just stopped. And as I stayed on it, this is 2014. So, you know, was nine years as I've stayed on it, everything has resolved itself. You know, my body finally had what it needed to figure out where the damage was and repaired itself. And it was just, uh, I, I mean, a gift, like a total gift. And so that's why I'm so on point. <laughs> and oh. I believe my health is better than before my accident. Like I don't get tired. You know, we talked about it's evening for me here and 
you can you're tell. Up like, I'm- you're up and about. I've got bags <laughs> under my eyes, and it's the morning for me. I'm like, it's going to be a long day, and you're bouncing around. I'm like, wow, I need some of that. <laughs> yeah, right. Redox. It is. Uh, it's an. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. So, I I highly recommend it. I mean, I, after it did that for me, that was, you know part of what I felt I went through for was to be in a position like here's a biologist who used to teach, who's now come across a biotech discovery that the world needs to be educated on. And I went, I'm uniquely suited to do this. <laughs> so uh, I started sharing. I mean, it's it's been part of my world now for, uh, it took about eight years before I, or sorry, a year. So it's been eight years that I've been sharing. And yeah, it's wild that what I've seen this do, because like, we're all just cells. And so it doesn't matter what cell is damaged. Like it goes and finds your damaged cell and helps your body repair that. So there's a breadth of things I've seen this touch. Well, the body is an amazing thing um, when the treatment is right or the the process is right, the food or whatever, whatever we're putting into it, we're all different. And I think that's uh, one of the biggest things that you can't tell somebody nothing's going to work because they don't know who you are. Or they don't know the practice out there. And it, I hear this story a lot, you know, that people are told that something will never work again. Or, um, and if you allow that to happen, if you allow that person to be the one that is a beekeeper to your destiny, then it won't work. But I think your story, Danielle, is amazing. Like it really shows that if you want something, if you want something bad enough, there are things out there for it. And you can even actually make it better than before, you know, you, you, traumatic stress. Um, and so I, I absolutely love that. So last question, um, if you could look back at 18-year-old Danielle when you were just dominating snowboarding everywhere and everything you've gone through now, if you could give yourself one bit of advice from what you've gone through and learnt and growth and everything like that, what would that bit of advice be for your 18-year-old self? Hmm. It would probably be to ask the question anytime I had difficulty of what is this challenge making possible? And to just go in life knowing that the challenge is there for a reason and some door is trying to open that I need to figure out what. And that is what I would tell 18-year-old Danielle. <laughs> don't get upset. Don't let it rock you. Uh, it's making something possible. So let's figure out what it is and, and come at it with curiosity rather than fear. Oh, so powerful. I, I love that. So, Danielle, people are like, wow, this has been one of the most powerful podcasts I've done and I've obviously done nearly 300 so much information so positive outlook on life when you've got every reason not to um where can people reach out to you thank you for your story hear more book you to speak whatever where can where can we do this uh connect with me on Instagram that's that's a place and a space where I'm always sharing uh what we talked about today and more Uh, just to you know if you need I want to be a beacon of light on there uh so if you need to just be around somebody that's helping you think a little bit differently if you have questions if you're needing help reach out to me it's me in my direct messages so (laughs) reach out say hi let me know where you connected let me know how I can support and I'm, I'm happy to Brilliant. Well, I'll have links for that. Plus your website, brainbodyandself.com, where you can go and check out more, read into it, see what else is possible um, on the show notes for episode number 298 with Danielle Matthews. So Danielle, thank you so much. I've thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, And I just think your positive outlook on life is what we all need to hear. So I really hope your mission continues and you reach more people. Oh, thank you, Dale. Thank you for doing what you're doing. I mean, (laughs) it's a beautiful platform and your energy is incredible. I I absolutely (laughs) love it. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.